When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wondering what's next in your business or personal life? Welcome to Success to Significance, Life After Breaking Through Glass Ceilings, a podcast dedicated to helping you with all of life's challenges, discoveries, and opportunities. Whether you're seeking a new career, retirement, or simply wanting to make an impact in your community or the world, join Jen Duplessis and her guests as they explore how to start, what to do when you're in the thick of a change or growth, and how to leave a mark in this world after breaking through your next achievement. You are moments away from the aha you've been seeking. Welcome to this episode of Success to Significance Life After Breaking Through Glass Ceilings. I'm your host, Jen Duplessis. I have a really fun guest with us today, Goose McGrath. We're going to talk about Glenn here in a minute, but Goose, Goose, welcome to the show. We are so excited to have you here today. Jen, it's an absolute pleasure. I've got to say, I mean, we've been lucky enough to have had a conversation on my podcast as well. And, and it's been a real joy getting to know you even just over these past few weeks of interactions. And I just want to say thanks for having me on your show and giving me an opportunity to share my story and to help other people that are in your world. So thanks. Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. And uh, we finally realized that we needed to start recording because we were just chatting so much in the green room <laughs> <laughs> about everything, totally. everything and anything. So now listen, if you're listening, great. Fantastic. If you're watching, the reason I have a little tiara on my head is today is my birthday while we're scheduling, while we're uh, recording. And happy birthday again. Thank you. And, uh, you know, I'm just celebrating it. That's what we should do. Celebrate it. You know, celebrate. We celebrate life. every day. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to talk about, I want to like kind of dive into this. So first of all, let's make sure everybody understands. So you are in Australia, which I absolutely love Australia and you are a real estate agent. Correct. That's what you in. Very unique though. Go ahead. No, I was going to say a very unique way. So it's a little different here. So it's quite interesting because Real estate investing, you would think that it's uh, it's all the same, right? You're just buying houses, selling houses and all that kind of stuff. Now, in essence, the Australian market is the fundamentally the same as the US. However, structurally and, and culturally, it's just slightly different. So what I do here in Australia is I'm a buyer's agent. Now, in the US, a realtor or a real estate agent, we can interchange those two terms because yeah, I'm technically yeah. just a licensed real estate agent. Yeah. Um, now, a, a realtor could represent either or both sides of the transaction, correct? correct? Yep. Now, in Australia, that's not the done thing. So the done thing is that there are selling agents and they only sell properties. And then there are buying agents. However, here's the thing. Buying agents are quite new. And there are roughly 75,000 selling agents and roughly 1,200 buying agents. So it's kind of like an untapped market. So, so we're kind of in the, this position. We don't do any selling of properties. We never sell any properties. We don't do any of that kind of stuff. We right. only meet with buyers and help them to, uh, find, to find properties. But more specifically than that, we mm-hmm. only help investors. We don't help wow. home- homeowners. And even more specifically than that, we've actually got a methodology that we call the Holy Trinity, which centers around cash flow positive properties in high growth areas with value add potential. Now, 
because the market is slightly different in Australia to the US, like the US, it's fairly common to get quite high cash flow and quite high yields in properties. It's less common in Australia because we have much more of a growth market. So finding that uh, unique combination is, is kind of, that's where we- but The diamond in the rough. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I think it's really interesting, you know, and I think what ends up happening here is that realtors, you know, fall into those categories. They fall, they come in and they say, I'm doing all things real estate. And then they start saying, but I kind of like working with buyers or I kind of like working with sellers and they sort of fall into it, but it's not mutually exclusive like it is there. What made that start happening? I mean, if there's only 1,200, is that something new? Is that something that, you know, all of a sudden everyone said, well, now there needs to be representation on the other side? Or was it just that the selling agents had all of the representation? Well, I don't know who the first buyer's agent in Australia was, but I think I actually read a story about him the other day and he started around about 50 years ago, right? Okay. So it's not like, it's not brand new, right? It's not mm-hmm. like in the last 12 months, it suddenly became right. a thing. Um, <laughs> Yeah, But it was a fractional minority. And the place where it sat within the ecosystem was typically for wealthy homeowners who wanted to take the hassle out of finding the right home in the area. So they would look for a local area expert who would be able to help them to find. So saves them going to the open homes and all of that kind of stuff. Now, it has. there's been an inflection point, and that's the really interesting thing. So it's been sort of there. It's been a thing that's been happening. There are some buyers agencies that are you know, probably 10, 20 years old, I, I think. But there was a distinct inflection point. So one of my mentors actually went to the US and kind of realized that there was the whole buying representation side, which yeah. isn't a done thing. So in Australia, literally 99% of people who buy a property just go to a selling agent and say, hey, can you give me I the like best property? Account. And they're just going to get sold to, right? It's yeah. quite interesting. Yeah. Anyways, my mentor came back and said, you know what? I think there's actually a place in the market here for this. And there was already some people doing it, but he kind of made, he built the biggest buying agency in the country at the time. Now he helps other, he trains buyers agents. And so there's a few more in the market oh, now. Yeah, yeah um, that's cool. Yeah. So it's, so it's quite, a, so, so it is quite a cool thing. So why um, did you go into the investor space? What was the, the impetus for that? Yeah, it's a, Great question. The whole reason I'm not actually like my background is not real estate at all. So we're going to learn about, I know here in a moment. Yeah. Well, totally. I think we can probably start there now because like the whole reason that I am here kind of stems back to where it all kind of started. So to a little bit of context, so I actually, I'm a high school dropout. I left school when I was 17, not because I was no good. I was actually, I was great at school, but the problem was I was already running my own businesses and stuff like that. And I didn't have time for it. So I said to my parents, I said, look, you know, I think I know what I want to do and it doesn't constitute me finishing my exam. in a classroom. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I left school early and I started organizing music festivals. That was my passion. You know, to get back to that, actually, I was going to be a soccer player originally, but then I shattered my spine in a motorbike accident and couldn't play football anymore. So Anyway, moved into the music sector, started doing that because that was my passion and really kind of got into that in a big way and started making a lot of headway in that whole kind of scene. And for roughly 15 years, I um, organized music and arts festivals all over the world. So I've done stuff in the States like Burning Man, organized things, uh, worked on, not organized the whole thing, but worked on things like the Olympics in London, organized events for like a million people for the Malaysian government, um, all kinds of different stuff, all the way down to like really niche and, and weird, you know, random tiny little parties out in the middle of the desert and other places of the world and stuff as well. So, oh, gosh. you know, yeah. that whole journey was amazing. You know, we had c- companies in three continents. 
at times we were employing, you know, up to a couple of hundred people, you know, on a contract basis for an event and stuff like that. So it was a pretty going concern. The kind of downside though, it was really fun at the start, the whole kind of like travel the world, organize parties in your twenties. Oh yeah. Having, living the life, living the dream, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So as you can imagine, you know, it was a pretty wild decade or so, which was great and fun. However, I sort of, you know, I went through the whole kind of got married. That didn't work. It was like my life was in chaos and I didn't realize it. And at the end of the day, I got to about 30 years old and realized that I was a drug addict and an alcoholic and I was basically broke. My businesses were failing, had nowhere to live. I was living on my office floor. Like it was pretty grim. Like I'd pretty much hit, hit the bottom. Like I had nowhere to go, no money, and I was a drug and alcohol addict. So things weren't great. Did you have your family around that they were supporting you or trying to support you or trying to get you to realize or? I was pretty disconnected by choice mm-hmm. I, and I was quite high functioning. So I don't think a lot yeah. of people realize how big of a problem it was. it was. Yeah. Yeah. I was very high functioning. Like I was organizing very large scale events and managing large teams. And on the outside, a lot of people thought, oh my God, this guy's crushing it. He's doing all this cool stuff and what a great life and everything like that. But no one could really see behind the scenes about what was going on. And so I guess that was a pretty big turning point in my life. And it was around about that point in time that I met my now partner, Gabby, who kind of stumbled into my life. And I was like, I was kind of shaken awake, like a bit of a jolt. And somehow she managed to see through the the mess that I was at that point in time and believe in me. And and we started our relationship together. And I started going, okay, actually, if I want to maintain this relationship, if I want to keep this woman, which I do and I did and I do, I had to basically sort myself out. I'd love to say that it was like a switch. Like I went, oh my God, I've fallen in love and now I'm just sober. I'm perfect. Yeah. yeah. That's not true and it didn't happen. <laughs> and it obviously takes a couple of years, a couple of years of really trying to turn your life around. One of those big turning points though was, you know, as a young couple, you know, I was working 100 hour weeks in my business, right? So that was part of the reason I'd started drinking and taking drugs and stuff was because I was just trying to numb out the, the, the tire, the pace, everything. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And it becomes a vicious cycle and, and everything like that. So working 100 hour weeks, burnt out, no money, like business wasn't going great, all that kind of stuff. Gabby and I were like, okay, let's try and make a better life for ourselves. And we thought, like most young people, we thought, great, let's go and buy some real estate. Because at that point in time, we thought that the, there's a common phrase in Australia that property doubles every seven to 10 years. Property doubles in value every seven to 10 years. Okay. Kind of um, like the rule of 72. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. The problem is it's A, not true and B, it's not true. So, <laughs> but I remember having a conversation with my business partner at the time, like we literally looking at each other going, okay, so property doubles every seven years. Yeah. 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 So it doesn't matter what you buy, right? No, no, no. You just buy property, any property. It just goes <laughs> That's up. That's what we can ask you is what's the first property? Here we go. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. And we were like, yeah, okay. I think that's how it works. So we were like, great. Armed with that pearl of wisdom that it doesn't matter what you buy, just buy something and it'll double every seven years. We thought, great. This is our pathway to living a better life, working less, making more, having more freedom. Because you obviously you hear all these stories about people making and building wealth in real estate. And ultimately, you know, that's all anyone ever really wants is more time, more freedom, more money so they can live a life of passion, right? Yeah. So armed with that amount of knowledge, Gabby and I went, okay, well, let's go buy something. So we didn't have a lot of money at the time. So we borrowed money off our families and stuff. We're like, right, okay, we're, gonna, we're doing this. We're going to 
And then we went and bought an off-the-plan apartment right before a market downturn and like all of these kind of stuff. Right. And now, did you, was that an owner-occupied? Did you buy a house for investment or did you buy it, buy it for yourselves? Well, here's the thing. We told ourselves that we were making an astute financial decision. But it was an emotional decision because it was like, oh my God, it's not even built yet. That property still has not even completed. And that was years ago. But it's like nice swimming pools and business centers. And it's like all the trimmings. It's like luxury apartment overlooking the park. And we're like, oh yeah, yeah, this is a great financial decision. No good. Wrong. So long and the short of it is we bought the wrong property in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. And it was quite funny because when we were signing the contract, the day that we were signing the contract, we had booked to go to a property education seminar. And <laughs> Decided so we like, you didn't need to because you bought a house. No, no, no. We were interested, right? Because we started okay. getting the bug. We we're like, oh, oh yeah, property. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, you know, he's trying to talk to us like, hey, yeah, sign here. We're like, dude, hurry up. We've got to get to this education. So, yeah, yeah, sign, sign, sign. Enough of the chit chat. Come on, let's go. So we're just scribbling, 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 signing the contract, jumped in the car, raced across the city to get to the other side of town to go to this property education seminar. And of course, it's one of those ones that it's like, you know, selling you into a course and whatever. But nonetheless, it was the first kind of one that we'd ever been to. And we went in there and we sat down and then they started talking about things like positive cash flow and how to find like- <laughs> areas of growth. And we were like, Ooh. Hey, do we have positive cash flow? Is that what- uh, Yeah, was, I think we might have made a little mistake here. Oh, um, but that was great. It was a turning point for us. Now, bearing in mind, still working in events, Still, you know, trying to navigate, getting sober, doing all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, it's all part of that journey. But that was a, an inflection point for our life where we went, hang on a second. I think we've made a mistake here, but I'm pretty sure we should be able to actually work out how to, you know, get ourselves to where we want to go. And that started a big journey for us where we, you know, invest a lot of money in courses and whatever and good ones and bad ones and all of that kind of stuff. And oh, it started yeah. to, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and you distill down the best bits and chuck out the worst bits and all of that kind of stuff. And that was all good. And that over the course of a year, we built up a wealth of knowledge and skills and tools and resources and ideas and built our own processes and all of that kind of stuff, really just for us, because we were just trying to work out how can we have more time, more freedom, more, more, more money. More money, then, right? Yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, that's where we distilled down our, our core principles that we now call the Holy Trinity and all of this kind of stuff. But it was sort of, through that process that we realized, hang on a second, there's probably like heaps of other people that are just like us who would probably go out and make a mistake. And what if we could just help some of them? What if we could just help a few? And so that's kind of how it started. And so from there, you know, after a few months, I decided, you know what, I've got more passion for real estate than I do for events now, because that was kind of like I'd done that for about 15 years. And so we decided that we'd get stuck into it and start helping people to buy the right investment properties. Now, kind of what we specialize in is helping uh, business owners and entrepreneurs, which is something that's really close to my heart because as someone who started their own business, worked for 15 years and ended up with nothing. And when I look at, yeah, and when I look at people like my brother and I see so many other business, my brother's a farmer, he's working really, really hard, but he's, everything's in his business. And I see so many business owners that get so caught up in their business that they forget to build wealth outside of business and they get stuck on a hamster wheel. So that's kind of what I'm passionate about today. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about that on my podcast as well. I mean, on your, when I was your guest on your podcast, (laughs) your cosmic podcast as well, you know, that we both have that same passion, you know, for helping people realize, you know, to build themselves first. And that, and we talked about this is like, put your mask on first and then help others before you, you know, are out there helping others because it's not sustainable. You proved it. I mean, that's the glass ceilings that you had been you know, jumping through and crashing through and really sometimes going the other way through those, you know, what becomes your, 
when you break through a glass ceiling, it becomes your floor. But sometimes you had some floors you had to go down and rebuild up to some other ceilings. Totally, you know, totally. Unless you've got a solid footing, when you break through those ceilings, you fall back straight through. You because- go right back through, yeah, with no safety net. Exactly. <laughs> no safety exactly. net because you think you've arrived, right? You're going, oh, I've arrived. I've arrived. Now I'm at the next level. So I'm good. I'm good. But man, it can just take you all so the way down. Totally. You know, in my mid to late 20s, getting flown around the world and consulting to governments. And I was like, I'm like, I'm the king. What's going right. on here? And then fast forward a couple of years and I'm broken living on my office. Living floor. on your like floor? It's, yeah. yeah. So you bought your first house, right? You bought yeah. this first house and it still hasn't been built. <laughs> Which I think is funny. Was it a condo, right? Is that what it was? Condo? Well, an, an apartment. An apartment, so, part of an apartment building. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So, what gave you, I mean, yes, it gave you the ump. You said, okay, you know, I have the passion now for it or, or mm-hmm. the whatever it is, the button, you know, the fire in your belly for it. And you yep. said, oh, you know, we'll just try it again. We're going to try it again. We're going to do it right the next time. We're going to do it. But what gave you that ability to do that? Because most people, you know, we owe mom and dad, they gave us some money, they helped us out, we look like a fool, we look this. Because I think this is something that transcends in everything we do, not just buying real estate, it's also in business. And for the people that are listeners, you know, who are thinking about transitioning and going from being successful in one space and, and, you know, maybe making an impact, you know, showing other people how to do this so they don't have that same thing. What gives you the gumption to be able to, I can't think of the word I want to use, but what gives you that, you know, that drive to want to do that, even if you failed? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'd love to say something like impact and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> right, all these um, beautiful things. Yeah. 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 Which is true. Like that is what motivates me the most now. Right. However, if you kind of take it back to then, it's like, why didn't we just go, oh, all right, well, that was a mistake. And I guess we'll just never do this. And yeah, to be honest, for me, I think I was another turning point where I looked backwards and I said, okay, that's what my life has been like. And I looked forward and I said, well, what do I want my life to be like? It was at that point where I went, okay, well, if I keep doing what I've always done, I'm going to get what I've always got. I've always had. Right. And so I have to do something different and I have to be prepared to fail. You know what? Everyone says, fail fast, fail forward, fail, you know, do as much failing as you can because you learn. Right. I mean, it'd be a hell of a lot nicer if you just didn't fail, I think. Like, it'd be really great. <laughs> Wouldn't that you know? be? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, cool. You get to learn the lessons. But I mean, I'd much rather short, short circuit it and not have to fail. That being said, I think that when you've experienced getting close to the edge, you know, in terms yeah. of when you've hit rock bottom, you kind of know where that is and you have a benchmark. You're like, okay, cool. Now I understand what's down there. And I don't want it again. I don't want that again. If you've just constantly lived on the median line, you would probably have less motivation, I would suggest, because you'd be yeah. like, well, I don't know, like what is worse than this? I'm not really sure because everything's kind of been right. about the same the whole right. time. But if you've gone all the way down, I like to think, think that life is a little bit more like, uh, like everything's frequency in motion. Yeah. And frequency waves go up and down and up and down. They oscillate. And you tend to find this continuing pattern throughout all things in life, metaphysical, physical, you know, like if you think about the way atoms work, sound, emotions, everything happens in a frequency and a flow. And so the depth of one line of the frequency, the depth that it goes down is typically the polarization of how far you can go up as well. You tend to think that those kind of things find balance. So for me, I was like, okay, well, I know that I want better and more and what do I want? And it was a really big question about looking at me and Gabby sitting down and going, okay, what do we want? What do we want out of mm-hmm. life? You know, because we didn't start our buyer's agency saying, 
all right, we're going to be like, we're going to turn into real estate agents and we're going to buy shiny suits and we're going to go and get <laughs> nice cars and we're going to do all of that kind of stuff. We Take pictures we said, of ourselves and never change them for years. Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. We said to each other, all right, okay, I think we've actually done something here where we can help other people. So what do we want out of life? Well, yeah. if we can design a business that would allow us, this was the benchmark of how we wanted to design the business, that would allow us to operate from a beach in Bali. Now, not saying that that's the goal. We don't actually right. want to move to Bali, but we said, okay, well, what would that need to look like? And how would that need to be if we could do everything that we wanted to do, help other people, you know, help other people to build wealth, build wealth for ourselves, but also have the ability to live a life of passion for ourselves and to help other people to do the exact same thing? What yeah. would that need to look like? And then that's kind of served as our guide for everything over the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. I can't even remember. Do you even have a course or anything? I don't think you do. I think you just sell nope. real estate to investors. We well, we don't sell. I'm going to read yeah. this for you because it's really interesting because a lot of people, they're like, oh, real estate guy, you got a course or something or, you know, what's that? No, yeah, we don't. You, so- yeah you sell real estate. Well, and, and this was leading up to the question about, you know, your book, Limitless, The Renegade's Guide to Building Wealth and how that is different. You know, if I were living in Australia and I said I wanted to be an investor, I wanted to have wealth, you don't have a course, but I would come to you and say, help me find a house, right? Help me find a house. Kind of. Kind Why of, is it a renegade of. though? Why Fix me on that. Help me out on that. And then ask me, I mean, and then tell us why is it a renegade? Why is it so different from what everybody else is doing? Yeah, totally. So that's a really great question. So first and foremost, I'll go back to the start of that. So yeah, we don't have a course. We don't have, we don't sell property or anything like that. What we do is a, more like a professional services company. So people will come to us and we don't act like a shopping service either. It's not like, hey, go buy me a house. It's more typically like, hey, this is where I am. This is where I want to be. I'm interested in using real estate as that vehicle, but what does that need to look like and how do right. we do that? Okay. So okay. that's kind of where we fit in. So it's a bit of strategy, advisory, all of that kind of stuff all rolled into one. And then with our clients to get them to the destination. So it's not like, hey, here's a house. Let us know when you want the next one. It's more like, okay, well, we're probably going to need to get six. They're going to need to have these characteristics. We need to do it in this timeline. We'll work with your finance team and whatever and get you to where you want to go. So it's a little bit of a different structure, which is different. So it's almost like a fiduciary, a fiduciary for real estate rather than a fiduciary for brokerage. Yeah, exactly. And so because, and that's actually different to how other buyer's agents work as well. Most other buyer's agents are, it's a bit more like, hey, go buy me a house, right? Yeah, let's we, get in the car together, Dan and I. Yeah, yeah, totally. We, we, we don't do any of that kind of stuff. We, we don't operate like that. And it's really interesting that you said a, a fiduciary because that's the way that we kind of see, see, see our role. Business. So Yeah. Exactly. So that's now there's that. Now, the book in and of itself, the Renegades part is... Let me just try and unpack that a little bit. There's a few reasons that we use that specific word. So partly because in the real estate industry in Australia, possibly, I would say more than the US, it's pretty stuffy. Right? It's a pretty stuffy industry where people typically tend not to want to step outside the status quo and I all walk of- the line. Everybody does the same yeah, thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can pretty much, you can read, it's a very bland industry, I would say, broadly speaking. So in the book, I talk about some pretty big stuff. I talk about drug addiction. I talk about a lot of personal development stuff. So it's really digging deep into rather than like, hey, this is how you go and buy real estate. It's more like, <laughs> this is actually how you can transform your life and have a better life. And actually, maybe the goal isn't to buy as many properties as you can. Maybe it's to buy as many properties as you need. And it sort of t- yeah. ticks into that kind of stuff. Now, the big 
piece that we challenge the rest of the real estate industry in, in Australia is this idea that you can get all three factors of the Holy Trinity. And the common belief in Australia, even by senior experienced real estate investing professionals, is that you can either get strong capital growth or you can get positive cash flow and you can't get the two together. We hear that here too, where if you get both, awesome, but generally you're not going to get both. So pick one. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So if we wind it back a little bit to just after when we realized that we'd kind of made a mistake on that first property ourselves, we sat down and said, okay, well, what would the perfect property look like? What would it look like? It would not physically, but like what characteristics would it have? And we'd be like, well, we get good capital growth and yeah. it'd be positive cash flow. So it'd actually help us to replace our income and pay down its own debt and do all of that good stuff that actually having cash flow does. And also because it had just been a market downturn there as well, which is why the property is actually now worth less than it. anyway. So we said, we'd need to have some way to control the outcome. So we'd need to be able to add value to it in some way down the line, not straight away, so that if market conditions changed, if the government changed, you know, policies changed or whatever, or if there was a natural disaster or you know, a pandemic, that we would still be able to control that outcome. Yeah. So first and foremost, people don't think you can get cash flow and growth together, let alone when you throw in a third characteristic that you need to be able to add value to it and manufacture more cash flow and equity. Now, that obviously seemed like a bit of an impossible task, which is why it took us so long to work out, how, well, how can we find these kind of properties? Because if you know that you can find those kind of properties, why would you settle for anything less? Right, 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 right. That's part of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so the book is really about firstly challenging people to think about where they are, who they are, where they're going and why, and then mm-hmm. challenging the notions that have been you know, killing sacred cows, basically, that have been telling people that the only way to build wealth is to have negatively geared properties. Do you, do you know what negative gearing is? No, actually, I've okay, never so, heard of that one. <laughs> okay, so ne- negative gearing. So the common belief in Australia is that if you're going to invest in property, it must be negatively geared, which means it produces less income than it uses and that it's a tax minimization strategy. So if you think okay. about it like that from a gotcha. business perspective, if you right. had a business that loses money, you would get tax right. breaks, right? Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yep, I follow it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So the idea is that firstly challenges people to challenge themselves and then challenges the way that they think about real estate and what can be achieved and then shows them how to do it. And so it's really, if, if you're prepared to walk that path and first look at yourself and your why, and then be prepared to challenge the status quo, you can actually unlock a much better limitless. way to... Yes. Yeah, the reason it's called limitless is if you get the metrics correct, if you get it like all dialed in correctly, if you get the right amount of cash flow, the right amount of growth, the right value adds and all of that kind of stuff together, you can systematically build as big a property portfolio as you want, which in a country where 74% of property investors never get past property number one and 92% never get past property number two, there's a big issue because most people want to invest in real estate because they want to you know, have better retirement, do all that kind of stuff, more time, more freedom, more money. And they get stuck at number one or number two. Most get stuck at number one because they buy negatively geared properties or they buy the wrong property, wrong place, wrong time. Whereas what we can show people is, well, this is how you can buy you know, 10 in five years if you wanted to get aggressive about it. And so it really changes the game yeah. in terms of how people can yeah, think and about I mean, it, Yeah, it's, sort of, it's just a mind shift. I mean, it really is a, a mindset shift you know, in how you're looking at how property can grow for you. Because, and I do think, I mean, even here in the United States, I think one of the reasons, and gosh, it's really funny because I've asked real estate agents when I've trained them in the past, you know, how many of you own your own home? And some hands go up. And then how many of you own investment properties and not as many hands? And this is your product. 
Yeah. This is the product that you're, you know, pitching out there and saying that is grandiose and great, but yet you're not the one who's using the product. And it's kind of like a dentist saying, well, you should brush your teeth every day, but check mine out. I haven't, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Have you become a disruptor in your world doing what you're doing? Or is it more that it's like an, an aha moment? It's like, Ooh, that's something really cool. That's, you know, that's impactful. Yeah. It's definitely mixed responses, I would say. Mm-hmm. So for, because for a lot of, I would say the old guard in real estate here, that, you know, when you've got a big message and a big idea and all of a sudden you realize you can actually help people and change stuff, you want to shout it from the rooftops. Absolutely. And so they're um, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of whoa, whoa, whoa. I would say that, I would say that we're an atypical model in the real estate industry in how we yeah. approach life and business and how we show up in the world. And that has definitely rubbed some people the wrong way. I would say that because their vernacular or their messaging for the last, say, five, 10 years or whatever has been around a, a single silo of like, okay, you must get one of these right. things. And then so to say, actually, look, that's great. And you can do it like that. But you know, there's actually a, a completely different way. It's a completely different way you can do it. I'm not saying that the way that other people are doing it is wrong. It typically all works. It just depends on what you're optimizing for. Like what is the yeah. outcome that you're optimizing for in your life and, and what's the goal? And so it's definitely shaken a few branches, particularly because you know, by my own admission, I don't have a 50 property portfolio. I haven't been in this industry for the last 20 years or anything like that. So a lot of people are sort of like, well, who are you and what are you doing? And you know, you know, who are you to say all this kind of stuff? I mean, to be completely honest, it's like the results, the results themselves, I don't even need to justify it because typically our clients are getting over a 65% return on investment in one year. Wow. You know, yeah, which yeah. is insane, you know, which and that's insane, insane whether well, you're in you stocks know, look, or... We, ha- we have some properties that we have 34 and 43 and we think we're the cat's meow. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and that's, a, yeah, that's incredible. That's incredible yeah. to get those kinds, you know, return. You know, and I think one of the things that people fail to recognize is that, and again, this would hold true in entrepreneurship, you know, not just investing in property, but We start here. And I know that you talk about it and I talk about it too, is, you know, bridging the gap and knowing where you want to go and why you want to go and, you know, and all of those things. But when people don't take the time to do that, there is no end. It's oblivion, right? There's just nothing there to look forward to. It's more that I have to accumulate. It's like a nut, you know, a squirrel gathering nuts. I just need them. I don't know why I need them, but I need them because if I get enough of them, then I'm going to be okay at retirement. But rather than looking and saying, okay, winter's coming, or this is where I want to be in five years, 10 years. And it's opportune for today because of my birthday. And I'm going to share that in a minute, but you know, looking and saying, okay, that's where I want to go by this time. And this is what I need to get there. And now it's so much easier to build that. It's so much easier to identify the need for it. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I 100% agree because I get so many people that come to me and they're like, the common phrase that people say is 10 properties in 10 years. That's what I want to do. Because someone like, planted that seed. Yeah, it's just sort of the thing. Oh, yeah, 10 in 10. Okay, I mean, that's cool. Like, maybe yeah. that is good. Maybe it's great. But is it 10 $100,000 properties? Is it 10, 10 $1 million properties? Yeah. Is it what kind of cash okay. flow do you want out of it? What is the function? What is it actually going to do for you? Like, what is it actually going to do for you? So I think understanding that is, is massive, you know, like is yeah. huge. Because maybe you can actually get everything you want out of life in five properties. And you could do that in four years. Or maybe it's up at the other end of the spectrum. For some people, there's that kind of like gathering the nuts thing, I think is, is a great, great analogy. Because I know people that have got 
Yeah, it's very it's much harder in Australia to grow a big property portfolio. Like it is significantly harder to grow a a multiple property portfolio. Well, I know people that have got thirty properties, and that's great. But they, by their own admission, they they went through that whole phase of like, I just think I've just got to try and get as many as I can. Yeah. Whereas you know, it doesn't ha- hasn't actually necessarily served any. Eh, don't get me wrong. In twenty years, it's going to be. Well, yeah, but but not without the pain and the heartache of buying the wrong one because it doesn't have the cash flow or the appreciation. (laughs) And it's just so dormant and it's not doing anything for a portfolio except that you don't have the cash. Yeah, exactly. I think, as you said, like this applies to both property investing and business because, you know, you got to think with your business as well. It's it's like, what are you optimizing for? There's so many analogies between property investing and real estate because are you just optimizing for revenue? Like, are you just trying to, Grow, 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 and forgetting yeah. to optimize for profit. I need more clients. I need more clients. I need more, yeah. clients. more clients. Yeah. No, you probably just need more profit. You probably actually don't need more clients. You probably just need more profit. Right. So you maybe need the right ma- clients. You need the right yeah, everything. Yeah. Yeah. You need the right clients. You need to like think about where your money's going and why. And, you know, because you get negatively geared companies, like companies like Uber, for example, are a negatively yeah. geared company where it's all about growth. And they lose money all the time. They lose money yeah. all the time and they just got to constantly get more investors. And that's cool if that's what you want to optimize for. But I see so many businesses and humans, they chase bigger and they think bigger is better, where actually better is better. And it's got yeah. nothing to do with bigger. Yeah. Yeah. And this is the why is so important too, right? Because there's so many yeah. seeds that are planted by everyone about what success is. Oh, success is that you have to have 50 properties because that's, that means you're a successful investor. But it doesn't necessarily mean that. I mean, in, in business, success is that you have to have 100 employees or you have to meet reach uh, 10 million in revenue a year, right? But it's everybody else's goal, everyone else's definition of what success is. And we lose our individuality and we lose what really serves us. Like you said, going back all the way to the very beginning when you said, you know, what do I really want? What really fulfills me? What really makes me happy? And I think that's key. You know, I'll tell you what, my son, I just think he went through this because he was accumulating some properties and doing very well and all that. And then just let go of some properties and said, you know, they're just not serving me anymore. Mm. It's not fun to say that I have X amount of properties if it's not serving me anymore. It's painful. It's, you know, this, that, and the other. And it's funny you said that because, you know, we had a lot of investment properties. We still do, but we've turned them (laughs) over half of them are now Airbnb because right. they serve us better. And the balance of them, we're offering the homes to our tenants in a uh, you know, subject to kind of manner where, where, well, it's a wrap, right? It's kind of a wrap where we're saying, look, instead of renting from us, why don't you buy from us? Yeah. We'll hold a portion of the note. We'll still pay the first note, but we'll hold a portion of the second note, which is everybody does it. I mean, not everybody, you have to know how to do it, but we'll hold the other part of the note because we got to the point where we just didn't want the phone calls. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Now you own it. You take care of it. Now with Airbnb, it's different because it's churning all the time. And so, you know, you're not having a person in a property for a year and they make a mess and now you got to go clean it up. They're in it for three or four days and you get to clean it. Yeah. Right or a week. So we just kind of change our tune, you know, just because we are at a different place in our life where we're saying, yes, we still want that cash flow but we don't want the hassle that comes with that cash flow. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that you probably talk about with people is, you know, how involved do you want to be in this thing, right? Are yeah. you handy or do you have resources, right? And we all learned that from the gurus, get our team built. Yeah, exactly right. And you know what? Most people want a pretty hands-off experience, you know, like really 
at the end of the day, most people want the lowest impact way to get a good return. And again, more time, more freedom, more money. You know, like most business owners would love the, the ability to not have to go in. feel like, yeah, not have to go in, to be able to go, okay, cool, I can work by choice. Like I'm not reliant on this business to, to feed me anymore. And if you can kind of get these two things working in tandem, I think that's where a, a lot of magic happens, particularly as a business owner. Like if you, you can grow your business and as a good cash flow vehicle, but you know, most businesses don't sell. Most businesses are not built to sell. So if yeah. you can then take some of that and then build an actual wealth strategy, a wealth stream outside of it, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's you get the best of both worlds and you can have what you want out of life so much faster and so much easier. Yeah, so. yeah I love it. Who does this for businesses? You've done it for real estate. Who does this for businesses? Are you aware of a, a company that does this type of thing that says, you know, we're going to create? I mean, I know that there are segments of the market where people will help you in getting your business to sell, you know, and, and to be able to position it to sell. My son's in the midst of that right now, getting it there. But it seems like he had to get it to a certain point before anyone would even take a look. It's a good question. As in like, you're basically saying who can act like a business fiduciary and say, okay, let's look at this whole thing. And then how can we optimize this to get you to what you, where you want? Is it to work less? Is it to get bigger right. and all of that kind right. of stuff? It's a good question. I mean, I know that there are some people, but they're very model specific. You know, yeah. they're very model specific. Yeah, so they, for example, yeah, for financial planners or something like that, where there's normal succession, right? An attorney, those types yeah. of things, but not for just the general business. So maybe that's a new business. Maybe that's a new mm. business uh, model, <laughs> right? We'll see. We'll see. Because, we'll yeah, see. you know, you would grow your business completely different if you knew that the end, you know, start with the end in mind, right? If you yeah. knew the end was not, not just, I need to make money. I need to have this business going and I'm hoping to meet this certain income level and, and all yep. that. And I need more clients and I need to hire people because I want the time, freedom and money, right? Like all those things. But where is it going? Yeah. Where's it going? And if you had that, where's it going from the very beginning? I think a lot of the decisions that you'd be making in the front side would be different. I also think there'd be a lot more successful businesses. And I also think there would be more people getting into business because they have that certainty, you know, of totally. where they're going to be heading. Yeah, totally. And I think it's really interesting because like anyone who starts a business, you know, I have like, right, we're going to build a hundred million dollar company. And yep. then, you know what? I'm actually like, you know, we're at the point now where we're like, if we just had a hundred of the right clients, just 100 of the right clients, I think we that would be a real sweet. Yeah, <laughs> possibly. But like, right. you can just optimize in a different way. You're not going to try and you know, we tried to go, all right, let's try and get as many clients as we can. And then that was, we grew very, very fast, but then we realized that's not what we wanted. And so then we said, okay, well, how do we build this for what we want? And you'll find, I think if you really think about how does this machine yeah. work for yeah. me? How does this machine work for me? What do I want? Do I really want to have to manage a hundred people? No, probably not. If I could have a team of six or 10, and if I could work 20 hours a week, and if I had there was enough stability and continuity that didn't have to be worried about oh, where the next sale is coming from. And if there was enough profit that I could live the life at the standard that I want and also build personal wealth, would that be enough? A lot of people don't ask themselves the question, what yeah. is enough? Yeah. You know, they just well, think more is better. Right. And it's different for everybody, right? Just because of lifestyle needs and what, what people are. But I also think it's yeah. different. Geographically, it is different. 
Yep. You know, um, I know, for example, I'm going to bring up my son again, you know, where I live, I live in the richest county that, well, they call it the most wealthy county in the United States of America. Wow. Per capita, we make more money than anybody. That doesn't mean we have more money. That means we make more money. Our expenses are just as bad. Our homes are expensive, right? All of those things. Mm. My son moved one and a half, two states away. And, in our, you know, on the East Coast of the United States, you can travel for four hours and go through four different states. On the Western West Coast, you travel for four hours. You're still in the middle of the state, right? <laughs> so he moved to a couple states away and ended up buying, you know, a very moderate, you know, three bedroom, two bath house. Very, very low. Payments are ridiculously low. They're like a third of what he was paying here for rent when he was renting, right? Let alone his mortgage. So what's left at the end of the day is different. And I think that, you know, now that we're talking about that, that's probably why he let go of some properties. He didn't Mm. need to have those properties bring in more cash flows to sustain a different lifestyle that he has now. And kudos to him for doing that, because why waste my time chasing down rent checks and water breaks? Totally. But it's asking yourself the big question, like, what am I, I live in Sydney right now, which is beautiful. I live in the, one of the most beautiful suburbs. I live in Bondi Beach in Sydney, it's one of the most desirable suburbs in the world. You know, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. But it's very expensive. It's very yeah. expensive. Now we rent because we rent vests, but it's like we recently went for a trip up the coast, you know, mm-hmm. eight hours up the coast just for, for a little trip. <laughs> but we we're like, okay, if we lived here, our cost of living would probably be about half and it's probably more beautiful. And how would that change what we need out of life? And I think once you start right. asking yourself those questions, I think it opens up a lot more possibility. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love it. I love that we finally got there too, because that really is the premise of this entire podcast is, you know, shifting. It's everything from success to significance, but it's also the shift from success to significance, you know, and that doesn't have to be the impact you make on other lives. It can also be the impact you make on your own. And that, you know, I think is really key and critical. And I love, absolutely love that message. So I want to say thank you so much for sharing that with it. I mean, I've learned so much. I have so many ahas. I can't wait to, I'm going to go study a little more about gear. Negative gearing? Negative gearing. I was going to say gear negativing. <laughs> negative gearing. I want to learn more about that because that's something, that's a phrase that I've just never, I've never heard of before. Right. And, you know, and I think I'm pretty versed in, in real estate and investing, but you always can learn something. And that's what I love about it. So you have the future, you know, ahead of you and, and, you know, you've been involved in real estate now for, you know, five, 10 years, something like that. What's the future for you? What is your next ceiling that you're looking at for growth for you? That is a really great question because I don't think about it like a ceiling. I'm thinking about it more like a fulfillment level, a next level. Yeah. 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 I think it's a fulfillment piece. So what we're working towards is getting ourselves to a point where we can essentially have a high impact business, but have more freedom for ourselves. Yeah. So we're still in that, that phase of business where we are working quite a lot. Um, yeah. It's great. We love well, it. yeah, we, t- you know, we talked about, I think we did on your podcast, but I'll mention here is like the four stages of growth, right? There's formulation, concentration, momentum, and yeah. stability. And some people will say that there's a fifth stage, which is success. I don't like using it because it means that I got there. Now what? So for me, it's always (laughs) a perpetual thing. I want to live, you know, it's not, they say it's not a, you know, success isn't a destination. It's a journey. So I don't want to ever see that it's there, but 
But yeah, when you look at what you're doing, you guys are in concentration and momentum and concentration and momentum. And the next thing for you is getting from momentum to stability, you know, where you're saying, hey, it's stable and now we can shift it and we can do some things different and maybe look at something new. And, you know, that's exactly, yeah, really cool way to look at that. Exactly. And that's the kind of next piece on the horizon is just, it's really that. And you summed it up really well. It's the stability and then going, okay, cool. What's next? That's the next thing for us. And it's yeah. exciting. It's exciting to be looking at that and thinking about that and going, mm, okay. Yeah, what and could especially that during the coon of COVID. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right? To have that. And I think that's what a lot of people are listening to the podcast, you know, thinking, okay, so what am I going to do? I've been sitting home all day. You know, I don't know if I want this. I don't know if I want that. You know, I think that that is, you know, pertinent to what we're all looking at for the future, you know, and I call it the soaring 20s, right? Mm. Not the roaring 20s, but the soaring 20s. This is, the decade of really soaring and becoming knowledge brokers and, you know, just gaining knowledge from everyone around us, not from books. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. And it's a really interesting thing you touched on about the, yeah, I think this decade is shaping up to be absolutely amazing, quite frankly, but it's interesting as well. Cause I think you touched on an, an interesting point there about becoming knowledge brokers and all of that kind of stuff, which I think is amazing. You know, I think, I think it's a great way to show up in the world, impact more people and all of that kind of stuff. Where I kind of want to sit is to, is to be that like quite hands-on. Like we've thought about, do we do courses and all of that kind of stuff? But where we want to be in the ecosystem is to say, no, we'll do this with you. We'll hold yeah. your hand and we'll take you there. I think that that in and of itself is a really nice point of difference. Well, and heck, you're going to learn so much more doing that because we know that when we teach, we learn, right? Mm. And so when we're in the grains of it and seeing the things that are happening with people, you know, it's pretty cool to see. Yeah you know, to see that, that happening as well. Well, I want to say thank you so much. So how can we help you? How can we help you in your practice, given that you've just helped us? Well, look, it's pretty simple. I'm not here to sell anything or any of that kind of stuff. So it's all good. But if you're listening to this, it tells me you're probably interested in podcasts. And if you're interested yeah. in real estate, mindset, success, entrepreneurship, any of that kind of stuff, I have a podcast. You'll probably enjoy it. And again, we're not really selling anything on that either. Right. So it's a good right. opportunity to just get to know us and, and learn some different stories and all of that kind of stuff. And you can do that by heading to theinvestorlab.com.au. There's like a whole bunch of free resources that you can learn about Australian real estate. You can get a copy of my book there or you can get a copy of my book on Amazon. It's not like a huge big profit center for us or anything like that. So Most authors are. They're a gift to the world. You know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think the way to help me would just be to help yourself and to enjoy what we put out in the world and, and to go tap into that. Yeah, I love it. And we'll have the link in the show notes as well for that, as well yep. as to your book on Amazon, you know, for those that are listening in the US so that we, you won't have to spend the money. I'll tell you what, I was going to send a book to a colleague of mine in Canada and it was $40. Wow. I could drive it almost for $40. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny of gas right <laughs> that's, so, that's so funny well it's been great Goose. thank you so much for sharing time with us i really really appreciate it i am so excited for our relationship to continue over the years you know this is Absolutely. just the beginning of it and i know that we you know we've already been helping each other and sharing you know podcast guests and things like that uh together so it'll continue to grow and i I just wish you all the best prosperity, you know, is in the years to come with what you're doing. And thank you for giving what you do to the rest of the world. Appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Thanks. All right. We'll catch you next time on Success to Significance. And don't forget, go write a review. Give us a great rating. We want to know what you want to hear as well. And we'll continue to deliver exactly what you need. We'll talk to you next time. 
You've been listening to Success to Significance with Jen Duplessis, the number one podcast for people wanting to give more value and make an impact. Loved this episode? Be sure to subscribe right now at www.jenduplessis.com slash S2S for more stories, strategies, and thoughts to help you gain significance and success. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Join us next week for another breakthrough episode. Thank you for listening.